0: broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere the misfit crew at South Fleet HQ is proud to bring you the die living podcast
1: so today we have Adam Holroid. Did I pronounce this right? Yeah, that's correct. So was, we've been friends for uh, over a year, I think now. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have never known if I pronounce your name correctly. That's a, it's a hard one. No. Well, I think it's, your name is still spelled Holy Rod in my phone. Cause I was like, it can't be spelled the other way. That's fucking ridiculous. So normally,
2: normally I only ju- du- judge your friends after you've been friends with them for 18 months. Cause once the honeymoon period is over, that's when they have to make the really hard decision whether to stay your friend. That's where it all drops off. Well,
1: don't worry. We're So about enjoy to, it for the about, next, <laughs> next six months. We're about to beat this rented mule. So Adam is, we. I asked him, I'm like, so are you the president or the CEO of Spirit of Systems? And he's like, I'm neither of those things. Yeah,
3: I'm not, I'm not either <laughs> of those. So I guess officially, if you were to look at like our corporate minutes, I would be the vice president of uh, Spiritus Systems. So um, there's three owners. And uh zane is the ceo okay um and then the my actual job title like my working everyday job title is new products development
1: um so that's what i do for spiritus right who is so i i know zane but how old is zane
3: zane is well i'm 32 so he is also 32. is he really because he
1: he every time i come in there i feel as though he is my 23 year old little brother
3: yeah, he's a he's a handsome fellow. He's huh? young. Yeah, he hasn't he is aged much. Enthusiastic, yep. very he is. very chipper a lot. He is, yep. And he uh he's kind of the brain child behind um basically the the math behind making the company work. Um from like a production standpoint, stuff like that. And then uh the third owner is Nicole, who you've met. Yep. And uh Nicole handles all of the financials, the logistics, um, and she, you know, she basically does a lot of stuff in the background that you know, the customer may not appreciate, but in, with improving our efficiency, stuff like that.
1: She's rad. Yep. So yeah. So she's the
3: glue. Yeah. She's really definitely holding it together. So
1: I laugh because um Brent at some point was like fawning over Spiritus stuff. I was like, you should reach out to these guys and see if we can do something with them because like this, you know, the, the LV-119, the like covert, sure. you know, plate carrier stuff and like a lot of the bag stuff that you guys were doing, it's like, this is super awesome stuff, uh, we should definitely do something with them. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever, man. So like, I literally was like, I do this thing <clears throat> that Aaron hates, and I did it yesterday, much to my chagrin.
0: Basically, you're describing now everything you do. Yeah, no, but <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything.
1: This is fair. Aaron will sometimes forward me an email or tell me to reach out to someone, and I will look at that, and I'll be like,
3: douchebag <laughs> not doing and it. and I
1: will just not reach out to them and that will be the end of it and Aaron gave me a lecture yesterday about how he doesn't want people to think that we think our shit doesn't stink and I'm like that's not it at all I just didn't like that person and I don't want to fucking deal with them <laughs> and he's like email these people back like we had a good brief yelling match about it and I was like I will and <laughs> I, I will do not it. do it kindly and then I made this ultimatum thing and it worked out well and I was like god damn it this fucking sucks so When it came to you, I literally, Brent was like, Chuck out these dudes. And I was like, Oh, man. Like, okay, whatever. And lazily, I opened the Instagram of Spirit of Systems and I was like, Wow, product photography is really good. And no, I mean, so it gets better. Cause I was like, I was like looking at it going, These guys are like, this is some, this is like Airsoft Central. Look at all this fucking cool shit. And, this is a real company. Real, well, real guys aren't doing real guys aren't using this. This is dumb. And then I'm looking at I'm like, man, that is a really good plate carrier. And look at look at this thing and look at all the cool shit that they have on sure. there. And I'm like, well, fuck. This is kind of cool. Maybe I'll just look into the company more. And I look at the website and I'm like, motherfucker. Like I lived in Pinehurst for eight years and you guys are in Aberdeen. Yeah, and I'm we're like, like right
3: down the road. Yeah,
1: right up the road. Well, even better is I messes the Spirits account, which is run by Adam. And I'm like, yeah, so I live over in Pinehurst, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, my family, we live in Pinehurst, too. Like, he literally lives up the street from me, like, five or six houses or something for years. And yep. had and no no idea. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, full circle, I go over there, and I take uh, the 100 yards of dye. Like, I, before I left for Iraq in 11, Aaron had ordered this 100 yards of dye Louis yep. fabric and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with it. And the idea I had, I, I just wanted a plate carrier made to flex on Department of State people while I was deployed. And Aaron was like, we should do something like and sell it. I mean, well, I, like, duh, you bought. Which, which makes sense. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like tier tactical had that roll of fabric for like. A year. Yeah, probably about a year. And dude, I mean, honestly,
0: just to be clear, it wasn't ordered on a whim. It was ordered on a...
1: It kind of was ordered on a whim. No one else knew you were ordering it. You didn't order on a whim, but it wasn't like a... It was not part of a greater strategy in the company to make it happen.
0: I think that uh, maybe there's some... Miscommunication, or well, certainly <laughs> we, we, re, we remember the scenario a little bit differently. Let's well, put it and so it's a fog
1: of war, it happened it's, it's very common. I don't say it is a ding, right? It's like, a, I totally, we were like, Aaron was like, really on me to make this thing happen, like to get some like bags or You were like, made. I'm
0: going to Iraq, yeah, I'm gonna wear this fucking sweet ass plate carrier. Well, how are we gonna get the plate carrier made if we don't have the fucking fabric, right?
1: <laughs> so, well, look, I believe I still have a role of. Well, like like eighteen inch by eighteen inch swatches that were made at my house. That was the first run of the printed fabric that we did, and we couldn't make anything with it because it was so like. Well, yeah, I think it took three or four times to kind of dial in the color patterns. Yep. So well, and, and it's it regardless. This fabric. The guys at tier were like, yeah, man, we'll work it in. We'll do something for you. But they're so busy with everything going on. It just, they couldn't work it in. And I, on a whim, was like, I I came to meet you. And I was like, hey, I got this (laughs) fabric. Can you do this thing? I was like, bring it in. You're like, sure, man. And I was like, all right. So we get the ball rolling. And like the rest is history. You guys blew up from, when I first came and visited you, it was one bay. Sure. In a mechanics industrial space. Sure. And like, it's a kind of, it. Literally, the place that you guys occupy looks like a Mexican chop shop.
3: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty horrifying. Well, but on the outside, yeah. Because, well, of course not on the inside. Yeah, but... on
1: the inside, you guys have like the most efficient uh, sew shop sure. I've, I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, and the, I mean, it just it really it really was when we were you know the company started out as a services company for contracts, um, and I was basically selling my services to the government, and I.
0: What kind yeah. of services? You, um, just elaborate? like security
3: contracting mostly, some technology consulting, uh, like battlefield consulting stuff. Um, Back rubs and coffee. Can you yeah, So, right.
1: uh, clarify <clears throat> for the listener sure. you know, what your background is in that realm?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just a, a pretty regular guy, honestly. Um, a fucking nerd. Yeah. I was... <laughs> I was uh in the in the regular army on the but mainly on the reconnaissance side, the scout sniper side thank you for your service you're you're very welcome. <laughs> I got out um and i you know like a lot of guys who didn't really know what to do, I immediately turned towards the other three letter agencies to try to find work um and started working for the state department right that's where I ended up for a while uh and then i you know that was like pretty a pretty horrendous experience. It's pretty scary working <laughs> for the state department honestly yes. um and not because there's anything really going on, but because of the quality of person that you might have to work with.
1: The culture is pretty.
3: Yeah, it's very scary. It's yeah. like, you know, you're, I mean, not to get into a conversation really about that, but it, it's just, anybody who's looking for work, you gotta start somewhere, and often that's the State Department, but try to find it's somewhere a, else because it, it's you a, probably will die.
1: It's a great way to bloody your knees up for a better job, right? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's pretty brutal. So, but then I got a good opportunity working for a company doing uh, technology consulting for the Department of Defense, uh, basically, I was in Afghanistan by myself. Um, Where well, there was a team of us, but we were working kind of independently, and we just went around. Um, we fielded technology, new like cutting-edge technology stuff that, um, if you know what a juance is. But basically, when someone's killed, and we review why they were killed, and we find like, hey, if he would have had you know a better rifle, then he would have he would have survived that that thing. Uh, basically, we were looking for those problems, and then. You know, the government is basically funding initiatives to rapidly field that equipment. And a lot of stuff that's out there, um, you know, most people don't even know it comes from that program, but that's what it thats and what it is. Right? These are
1: like short-term projects. It's not like a – it's not a commercial off-the-shelf solution. It's like a – It can be. Okay. It just
3: depends on – I mean, it can be a rapid um, R&D initiative where they the government throws money at something and says, hey, you know, we'll just, for example, like Raytheon, build – this thing that does this and they just they back it up with money. So they they kind of shorten the R and D cycle on it.
1: Kind of like the battlefield computering type yeah, stuff.
2: Absolutely. Like, like is that where, is that where all those ridiculous armor upgrades came from? Like um, every time I turned around in Iraq, it was like they had bolted on more armor to the trucks to the point where like they couldn't even move anymore.
3: Yeah, I'm not I mean I'm not sure I'm not certain if that pipeline led to it, but it, it very much could have. It could have been something like that. Um if one thing they had a little bit more armor if you've ever heard of like the MTAS,
2: yep, mortar okay, system, yeah. yep. that
3: was one of the initiatives, right? So
2: I love the
3: MTAS. Yeah, the MTAS is a beautiful thing, yeah. right? They have you know 120 millimeter are recoilless we, mortar system. Are we allowed to know? talk
1: about the MTAS? I remember you people can. being super butt about photos well, being posted
2: of you it.
3: You probably shouldn't post photos of it, and you probably shouldn't talk about its capabilities in terms of yeah. range.
2: Um, All I know is I could teach a private how to operate it, a calibrated Absolutely, one, yeah. in about five minutes. Like, sure, here you go. Punch in this number here. Drop around in there. You'll kill bad guys. Sure. Right.
3: Well, the that you know that mortar system was creating. The, again, it was a request. Like, hey, out, these outposts are getting they're getting destroyed. Cop Keating. Yep. You know the Coringal Valley, all that stuff. How do we create uh, space? How do we create some some space between?
1: Well, hundred twenty millimeter mortar is a way to it's do it. It's pretty scary,
3: <laughs> and especially when you you know when you're just changing the variable from. Something that a, a crew of three or four pretty well trained guys to operate a 120. Yeah, in order to lay that 180 degrees from where it's you know where it's laid. It's it hard. In, it's just you the... have to be skilled. Yeah. I mean, even the most skilled crews can do it in a few minutes, right? To get it back yep. onto onto the stand. You know, you know that's not the case with the M task where nope. it's like, oh, you're you're behind us. Okay, well I'm just going to rotate the gun yep. and start shooting at you. So yeah, no um, pl-
2: no
1: plotting boards, no FDC. that's
3: exactly. all
2: done. Yep. Well, it's just it's, all done. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful that, system. that with a drone, man, you're just you're... Yeah, oh
3: yeah. It's and it's 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 lethal. It's lethal, lethally accurate in a way that a normal mortar tube because of the physics of how it's, you know, it's recoilless versus something that's has a, a bipod. Yep. Right. So it uh you know, those systems though were things that you know, there were other systems. There was like some robotics stuff. Um, the company that I was working for actually, I mean they did a lot of really good stuff to, you know, basically field those things, right? So there's the government office that would basically process that stuff, like fund it, all those things. And then the company I worked for would, would help train it, field it, test it, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so, but during that time I was in Afghanistan and, and Zane was actually in Afghanistan as well, down in Kandahar, um, out of the little place called Pasab. There's like this tiny little speck out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I happened to be, I was just I had freedom of movement. So I could go down, I took a I took a couple flights down just to see him. Yeah, um, and uh, I was feeling some stuff down there to some EOD guys, and you know we were sitting outside of one of his you know his little hooches, and we were just talking about you know I was looking at his stuff, and I'm like, man, it's the same. Like I went in Afghanistan the first time in 2006. He's wearing
1: mostly the same eagle series, the same stuff. It's just like it's just garbage, you know. Which is funny because at the time it was such an upgrade over like point blank, you know armor or i mean even iotvs are so big
2: right well over over pistol belts you know like like yeah like
1: web gear things like that i mean there's
3: there's you know
1: pluses and minuses to all equipment at the time i thought that an eagle Sirius was like the coolest fucking thing on the planet it was
3: it was the coolest thing i mean at the time that was the
1: pinnacle
3: of of vest technology but you know he's still wearing the same stuff the complaints are the same from the guy on the ground so uh, we we had this idea that we can do, we, you know, we should start making equipment. Yeah. Um, it was kind of naive at first because <laughs> it's not very easy. Like s- manufacturing is hard. And so Dude, we, manufacturing yeah.
2: in the U.S., right? Sewing, manufacturing yeah. in the U.S. You know, and design much, is super hard. It is. You know, it's super easy to be like, well, if only it had this thing. And then yep. you get into the nuts and bolts of making that thing, engineering it properly and making it durable. Sure. It's like,
3: well, and what you draw on paper in your mind, it doesn't actually translate <laughs> to fabric. That's you know. the biggest, that is the biggest complaint we have, uh, you know, people send in an idea. They're like, I have this idea for a change. And then you, you know, to take them from like, well, this is why it won't work. This and they is just why. don't understand because when you draw it on paper, you can bend the, you know, the will of yep. the item. Sure. But when you're manufacturing it, you're like, well, it doesn't fit into the sewing machine at, you know, this is too hard for a sewing operator to do efficiently. And the quality goes, you know, it's just like all these variables that we, we just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, you know, I got back before Zane was still deployed. I came back, I got out of that job and I started doing a a stateside, um, engineering job with a a radio company. Uh, and I basically seated as much as I could of the company just out of my, you know, personal finances. So we just started, you know, some, some hard times. I mean, we sold a lot of personal property. I had a, I had a Ford Raptor that I bought, off of deployment money. Then I sold it to, I feel like to help fund in all the company. Your Chuck
2: E cheese tickets.
3: Yeah. All the tickets, Chuck E. Cheese tickets, <laughs> everything I could. I mean, we we bought our first sewing machine from a nice lady in Whispering Pines. You know, like it was like some home sewing machine. We had no idea what we were doing. Um and we just kind of started making stuff, right? Ordering fabric, you know, figuring out supply lines. I started out in the attic. You know, we really didn't have anything that was worthwhile. Um then we moved to my garage. We like cleaned my entire garage out. My wife was super pissed that she couldn't park her car in the garage anymore. And don't, then we don't bring
1: that up. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, it was, and it was just uh, you know, we bought the first two real sewing machines, um, which we, we had to take a loan out for. Yeah. You know? How
1: much is a real sewing machine?
3: Uh depends on the model you get, but we bought a bar tacker and a flatbed, and I think the in totality it costs
1: around six or seven thousand dollars. At which point so Nicole sure. is the wife. Yep. At this point, she has no ownership stake in the company because it's not a real company and she thinks you're an idiot, right?
3: Yeah, oh yeah. She was she was, <laughs> well, I mean, nobody believed the dream, you know. Well, and and sure. honestly, sometimes I don't I don't even believe that you know, Zane and Nicole I think had serious reservations um about
1: Spending $7,000 on, yeah, on toys. Yeah, on taking out a loan for your garage. And, and doing
2: all and, and well, you know, it was in my name. It's a it crowded was, space at that point, right? It is, like, yeah, and it's and, very competitive. And that, set, that speaks a lot to the the quality of what you guys have been sure. doing because it seemed like for a while, every veteran that was getting out with either starting a t shirt business, a contracting sure. business, a coffee company, or Correct. a gear company. Yeah,
3: it's saturated for and, sure. And,
2: you, you know, and there were so many choices, very few of them were rising to the top. Like you would kind of. You would see what dudes were wearing, and there would start to be this, um, you know, kind of momentum. It happened with Cry. It happened with first. Sure. It happened with Tactical Taylor, right? They yeah, were like the yeah, first they dudes the that were coming in. And like, oh man, have yep. you seen this Tactical Taylor ruck? It's freaking amazing. Yeah,
3: and it's that's the one I wore. So,
2: but then you nice. know, unless you're a quote unquote geardo, you know, sure. in that space like Doug is, it, it's hard to keep track of all the stuff. But your stuff, I consistently <laughs> see like kind of rising to the top. So just. It speaks well, a lot for where, how you guys have gone. real
0: quick, sure. when you were moving from the attic to, sure. hey, now we're going to actually start making stuff out of the garage. Who are you selling stuff to and how are you doing that?
3: So, I mean, we, you know, we started off with, uh, the. I mean, I think I'm trying to remember even what the first product really was. I mean, we made, you know, we were trying to find so, like, like little niche things that we could, we could manufacture in the garage um and actually meet some kind of demand right the magpul model yeah exactly like how do we meet demand for for this stuff uh so we started out with a thing called a product a really we still have it on our website it actually it won't die it's a product that we wanted to kill but every time we're like okay it's time like the marine corps will order like 100 of them or 500 or whatever it's a it's a lid snake we call it the lid snake and it basically it's a way to secure your um your cabling for anvis goggles you know your your yep. battery pack cable it's just a Velcro tube that basically goes on the top of your helmet instead of on the interior of your helmet, right? And the reason why we designed it is because, you know, guys are guys are getting, you know, you go to fast rope out of a helicopter, your battery pack gets hung up so just, on something in a bird, yeah, you're just stuck
1: to, by it. To be clear, so that people who are listening who are not fucking sure. operators, there is a gap period in technology with night vision goggles where night vision goggles were... Like we were using... In, the infantry was using monoculars. Yep, PBS-14. pilots were using binos, like dual Correct. tube binos. Correct, AVS-6. Yeah, and and those aviators wear huge helmets, and one of the counterbalances on those helmets is that they have a big-ass battery pack on the back so sure. that their necks don't get tired. Yep. And there's a cable that runs in the helmet that then powers yep. the goggles, and the goggles Absolutely. don't actually have any battery power to them at nope. all because they don't need them. Yeah, because, the old Anvis system yeah, doesn't. So they're they're like... As poor infantry people started mm-hmm. to figure out they wanted binoculars, yep. they moved to aviators goggles with a smaller improvised battery pack. But they still had this super bulky cable that had sure. to run over a fucking helmet yep. to get to the, the goggles. So you can look at like older, like older soft, like oh eight, oh nine, two thousand ten, 09, uh, SF guys, a lot of, I mean, I mean, honestly, even unit guys back then sure. were doing like weird, like drilling uh, like cable keepers and shit into their helmets yep. or like figuring out ways to They're like just super taping, big
3: piece of duct tape, yep. whatever you can to run in the cable. So it. the
1: cable didn't like get all in the way, but then, sure. you know, now you're like, Oh shit, you guys have a removable system.
3: Yeah. yeah. We just wanted to make it. So, it, you know, the big concern for us is, you know, a guy, if you get hung up on that cable, you know, it's, it's one thing to, for the cable to break, but it's actually the, the sheer strength on that's really high. So guys can actually be suspended by, Jesus. You know, by the cable by, chin by, the, strap. by the battery pack yeah. you know so you're um you know we wanted something that basically the system the, the night vision breaks away at a certain at yep. a certain uh, friction point the battery pack will come off with velcro uh but the cable guys are starting to run them underneath the the helmet yep so we just wanted to come up with something you know it was really easy it wasn't like some innovative thing it was just solve that problem um and then the sack pouch that is the know.
1: definition of innovation by the way
3: yeah well, yeah you're right just solve that problem um <laughs> And then uh you know we the micro fight chest rig in its early form which is much different than it is now and the sack pouch came next and uh that was the you know that product the non fanny
1: pack fanny pack
3: yeah exactly the plate carrier worn ifac which was born from the state department um you know there's a lot of case study you guys get get shot in a vehicle and their one of their arms is disabled how do they get out of the vehicle how do they uh how do they treat themselves right because nobody inside the vehicle cares about the guy who just got shot because the vehicle's still getting shot most likely. So they're trying to survive. Right. Um, and you can watch video after video of guys just like expiring in vehicles. Um, and one of the reasons is that their medical equipment was on as far away from somewhere they could reach it as possible. It's either not on their body. It's in a go bag somewhere in the back of the vehicle, or it was on the far left or far right, you know, kind of side um, side of their armor. And so I wanted something that would be center line on the body, kind of in your lap. So when you're in a vehicle, it's not uncomfortable to wear it. But if you, you know, one of your arms is disabled, you can still reach all of that stuff with the other arm. You know, most of those cases, somebody, if they could have just used one arm to pack a wound or put a tourniquet on, or even, you know, just get some medical supplies, they maybe would have survived. I Um, actually
1: particularly like the fact that on the fanny sack, you guys didn't over-engineer the pull strings. Sure. Because I so since we've turned the, f- the fanny sack into an actual fanny sack or the you know, it's it is now a bag that we can swing around with all of our our, sure. bullshit, our steroids and micro pistols, oh, and, you know, everything just like uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, I use it a lot and I always laugh because most bags like that have like super high speed pull cords like you go out of your way to make something feel cool sure so it's like wow factor so people buy it but it's actually not usable with one hand because they're so small and light sure and you guys literally just looped some lightweight yep nylon cord oh you're talking about the posi lock yeah and i can like put my finger through it and just pull it one you know one finger open and close like i just tug on it either direction and it works um
3: yeah that's a a lot of people talk about the posi lock it's kind of a weird cordage i mean it has the knots embedded in it um it, you know, we we're constantly looking for stuff like that. Like, how do we, you know, how do we make something a little better that most people don't notice, but you, but everybody who wears it notices it. You just don't know that there's a solution. Well, I didn't. Nobody's know, presented it. I didn't
1: know it was special. I thought you guys were actually. I thought you went. I didn't know that the PosiLock nylon cording was a solution. I thought it was just you guys using a simple technique. Sure. But well, it is. It's a
3: simple technique. Our whole thing is the brilliance and the basics, right? Yeah. So don't worry about making something over engineered and crazy. Just like have the problem statement and then make something that satisfies it. And generally, if you just do that, the equipment will be basic enough that anyone can understand it and use utilize it. But also it just solves the problem. So it doesn't need to be
2: hyper advanced, right? Yeah, man. It's a great way to go about design. Like we, we talked about this in the office the other day, but like the, the the modern way to write computer code is to write a test first. Yep. Like, so the test is written in a different language and the test the code you write has to pass that test. Okay. So like, but the t- the coding, the testing language can test your code in a million different permutations that you couldn't possibly sure. do. But if your code passes a test, you know, you solve the problem. Sure. And I feel like with a lot of design, good coders do that. And great designers do that as well. You know, they, they come up with a problem they're trying to solve yep. and they design to pass that test rather than just design something from scratch. And like, let's, fi- let's like, Almost like a background. What out, was right? the problem. Like, let's come up with what this does now because it looks really yeah, exactly. fucking rad. Yep. You know, like, oh, yeah, you can definitely do this with it. Yeah. So. Well, the idea is worthless. the easy
1: part. So actually, that is a perfect segue. Adam says <laughs> the idea is the easy part. The idea is the easy part. Fuck you. You say that as someone who clearly has an unlimited well of creativity
2: because Uh, everyone has, everyone has ideas. No, I'm with you, man. Execution is all that matters.
1: Everyone has ideas. No, you particularly have more ideas than anyone I know. I didn't realize until like a year into our friendship, like recently at your shop that you do. So to me, one of the biggest strengths, like Spears makes great gear. There's a lot of people out there that make great gear and they cannot connect customer with the gear like their marketing is weird um adam like you brian learned like he he is a good photographer he's set up a studio thing he takes a lot all the photos that they do like at spiritus he he curates their instagram feed which is actually really like visually compelling and hilariously he designs all of their super cool random patches and stickers so like one thing that they keep people coming back for is just sure ridiculous shit like yeah iron giant fucking pvc patches that match like iron giant stickers sure. uh danger tabs yep. fucking the logo itself like the wolf that like cool like howling wolf like uh sure. which apparently is a, a problem <laughs> marketing <laughs> wise it is, yeah
3: it is a problem marketing wise but
1: um why is it a problem
3: uh it's an off-centered logo so it, so if you look at it, it's actually like a, it's more of an oval. It's not a circle or a circle, it's right?
1: It's in a circle, but the logo. It, well, like, it's
3: not. It's the moon is yeah. behind it, but the wolf itself is this kind of like, you know, rectangle. If you were going to put it in a shape, it'd be like a rectangle. Um, and so when you're trying to center that on any kind of marketing material, it always looks off center, no matter where you put it. Um, so it's, you know, it's an amateur mistake. I mean, we started, when we started the company, I didn't know anything about logos, right? I didn't know anything about marketing. So I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, whole the whole wolf thing that, that kind of like resonates, and uh, now we're stuck with the the logo, and and it's a, it's militant. I mean, our fan base. We even just like pose the question, like, what if we decided to change the logo, and everybody's like, I'll die. <laughs> if you change the logo,
2: I'll die. I'm like, okay, I guess we won't. Well, but I feel like that, it. that question is similar to if we build a bunch of plates, will you guys buy them? And they're like, yeah, yeah, and no, they don't. I'm like, yeah, so fuck. But I mean, yeah, dude, but but literally, you know, who do
1: you. Every time I go into your shop, there is a new round of like I have to have these stickers. And when sure. I when I bring them to like the team room or I show them to, they, they disappear. It's, it's, I love the danger tab. Oh, fu- I brought
3: I brought you more stickers. Yes. I brought you the the shit slaps saw. Yes. Oh my saw god, stickers.
1: They're in the box right now. Dude, I have a seventeen year old kid, man, yep. and like you posted the fucking. It's a M two four nine saw yep. with a fucking. It says shit slaps on it, and I'm like, my god, this is like. Yep. I hear this. A hundred times a day in my house, Mickey was like, that shit slaps so hard. And it I'm did. like, You fucking kids. <laughs> so much. Yeah, that, what does that mean for it, the uninitiated? It's a it's a teenager's way of saying something that's super cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean the thing about the
3: saw though, I mean it does it does it's, slap. It's a I mean, machine gun slap. That's yep. what they do. But I have to give credit though. So the we have a we have an intern working with us right now. And though that content was his his creation. I basically was like, hey, we want a video game sticker pack. That's what we, that's basically what he said. Make it video game. And uh, he, you know, we, we worked on designs together, but all of the the artwork is his. So nice. I just wanted to give credit so he's not like sitting there listening to Man, this and like Adam didn't design he's like, "Man, that. I designed it." But
1: like the the flamingo, uh yeah, the flamingo the, was mine. It, it iridescent and we said it kill them softly or something on yep, it. Yep, yep, kill them all. Kill them all. Yeah, yeah. because you're like, "Why would he say it's that?" It's totally incongruous. Um what are some other ones that like dude, I mean literally, but the fan base of Spirit is just rabid about the art. Like the shit just flies off the shelves.
3: Well, it's because people who buy, I mean, you, you guys are all, you're just people, you know, you're susceptible to the same things that everyone else is. It doesn't matter if you're in the military. It doesn't matter if you're in the, you know, the, the coolest tier one unit or a private in the infantry pop culture is a part of your life, you know? And so you're going to relate to some of that stuff for sure. One of the things that we, we recognized early on was, and something that we've just kind of built the company on is not designing work for command level like command staff or like the gold badges of a police department right so it, this and is it, the, the foundation ooh, of it, our company as well it gets us in trouble right we we go we just did a road show in florida and we stopped at a bunch of a really great departments we stopped at seventh group um talked to some guys down there you know but we just get out and talk to the guys and there and there will always be like the gold badge in the room and he'll be like well what about the coverage of the armor and i'm like yeah i mean I got it, dude, you know, we, we want to cover the guys up, but there's, there's a connection between mo, mo, you know mobility and lethality speed of security. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it is true. One in of the principles of patrolling. Yeah. It is like guys are, and if you see the SWAT teams are affected the most, you know, by yep. this, because there's so much liability in the civilian world for
1: this. I will not quote my source on this, but I had an interesting conversation with someone who would know just this week saying because i was talking about helmets and, sure. and he was saying that they had done a bunch of studies about like the improved survivability of wearing a helmet because i was like man do people actually wear these i only wear my helmet to mount my nvgs sure because i have accepted as a senior nco that i do see better with nvgs as a yeah as yeah. an e5 i was like fuck it i see better without these things that's a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> that is absolutely. That is scientifically, but I also like. A lie. You know, I, there's always that that pressure, the command pressure, like wear your helmet, wear your helmet, it'll sure. save your life. You should. And, yeah, but sure. sure. But it only improves your survivability about two percent. Yeah, as it, opposed to wearing sure uh, hip protection which, like, mm-hmm. if you wear, like, you know, the super annoying yeah, wear the fucking diaper. diaper like ballistic yeah. diapers, yeah. Yeah, that that, incre- that increases your survivability up to 32%. Depends on the conflict. Yep. And that's where,
3: you know, that's where the data coming back. This war, obviously, I call it the never-ending war, right? We have collected and aggregated data in a way, um, not only the U.S., but our NATO allies, that is, all these armor companies have access to, to this information, right, if they're doing any kind of government contract. Uh, and you can basically see where we are failing to protect and where we're not and what and where there's like this it's like a matrix right and there's a nexus point of cost and survivability and all these things that come into play uh and and you know basically the helmet in this conflict is you know we're not getting shelled for hours and hours and hours guys aren't sitting in a trench line with their head exposed the whole time um but it is i just wear it you know, it's more for me. It's like there's a lot of other variables um, besides. You know, the only frag. variable
1: that matters to me is looking cool. Looking cool. I mean, it's the
2: sixth principle. Baseball know, so. hat every yeah. time. Baseball. Dude, cap. I I I didn't wear my helmet for safety, but I rung my bell twice wearing a baseball cap, getting out of a razor during a gunfight, <laughs> yep. and I wore it every time after that because it wasn't about like. Razor. Yeah, I didn't, it's really not really It's impact
1: protection as well. Razors don't bother me as like because mm-hmm. growing up in the you know, growing up run around fucking side by sides and ATVs and shit like. I didn't hit my head. You're a big dude, Brian. So like, I see it. But like, the only time I willingly wore a helmet so far in like almost 15 years of service is in an MRAP or a MATV because there's like you just climb in there and yeah, you look around. and you're, you're like touching everything. Basically, this is like all the hardest edges no. I've ever seen. Like, I don't even want to bump into stuff. Yeah, it's like, blah. Blah. It's like a block. It's like a Lego.
2: And an MRAP's going to kill you in a rollover. Yep. You know, because yeah, like, oh yeah. I used You're to be ultra anal d- about ratchet strapping down yep, everything. everything. Oh, yeah. I think about how you our gun be.
1: trucks looked when we were in Afghanistan in 09, like our MRAPs, when we moved into them. And I'm like, holy fuck. We had, yeah. dude. Everything's like, a missile. Everything in there, you know, Like, and we did ratchet strap everything down. But like in rollovers, which happened, you'd look and be like, oh, that ratchet strap was it broke. It was, it was a moldy. It was stressed yeah. to its ultimate yeah, like, strength. because you're like, and dude, I, I'm just like, I, we were idiots. Sure. If an RPG or anything had gotten into that MRAP, sure. it was basically like a fucking Chinese firework factory. We had mortar rounds and. But fucking, I mean, what else
3: are you supposed to do? And that's the inherent danger of, you know, using explosives. Yep. I mean, it's a, it's around you. You have to transport it in some way. You know, ammunition. I mean. The, it's funny how your perspective shifts from, you know, I talk about this a lot with my wife, you know, it's hard to, it, the, the integration problem with veterans getting back, um, you have a group of people who are pretty marginalized while they're in service, right? If you're an E5 in the 10th Mountain Division, you're you're a nobody.
1: Listen here, right? shithead. Yeah, we, no, we, it's just like, we, get the job done. We need done. somebody to be in
3: charge of KP, go do it. And being a veteran doesn't mean anything, because yep. you're a veteran, but you're still in service, so you're like whatever. I don't, nobody else cares. There's another 500,000 dudes around me and nobody gives a shit about my veteran status. So you learn to just, you know, be a professional and then you get out and then you move back to wherever you're from and you, you, you learn something. You learn that you're actually part of this group of people and, uh, it's seen differently. Like the veteran transition, you're, you're actually in a different group. And, uh, sadly, a lot of people learn that they can exploit that status, right? um and they and they have like this trouble in reintegrating and a lot of that trouble is because you and for combat tell me know, that combat it's because people.
1: they didn't wear a helmet you fucking sergeant major <laughs> motherfucker it's not because they didn't wear a helmet it's because <laughs>
3: they it's because you spend you know for me my first deployment was 16 months right so 16 months of living in afghanistan up in the kunar province uh Korndal valley pesh river valley places like that you know complete away from a never on a fob ever and uh, you you live that way for sixteen months, and you come back, and then you're in the army barracks basically and you go back for another twelve months or whatever, and not you come a, back again. Su- yeah,
1: surprisingly, not an upgrade, right? <laughs> no, not an upgrade.
3: I mean, there's there's actually less black mold in Afghanistan, but and then you go back, and then you you reintegrate to society, and it is it's just like it's just different. You had you struggle with like comprehending why everything is moving so slowly, and then like risk assessment alone. You know, you're just at a different baseline when you're serving. Uh, you know, it's just different because you're like, I'm in an MRAP full of explosives. You know, it's just what it is. And I've you get accepted, out and I've accepted like,
1: this as a reality.
3: Yeah, you're just it's your reality. You're like, yep. and you come back and they're like, oh, hey, hey, man, you I saw you threw your aluminum can in the trash instead of the. And you're like, I okay, also, okay, man, I like I'm having
1: trouble with this. Speaking of aggregate data, it's statistically much safer for the said, said E5 in Afghanistan than it is for him to be back home in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Like the odds yeah. of surviving surviving a year in general are better in Afghanistan. Especially
2: if he owns a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's dying for sure. Yeah. yeah. The like, yellow vest is not going to save him. Is it chances of catching herpes or dying on a motorcycle yeah, are he's dying much sure. higher? <laughs> yeah, Fayetteville's pretty
3: it's pretty bad. I mean it is for a for a young private, it's a it's a it's the perfect mixture of, you know, danger, um, exploitive like business practices, Lo- loopy loan act sharks, sharks, baby, gang activity. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's hard to navigate that, especially when you're, you're, you're like, I'm from Iowa and I, you know, I didn't know that there were people out there. That I got a just regular paycheck.
1: I got no rent. And I will take a thirty percent loan on a, on Dodge a powder Charger. blue Mustang, <laughs> yep. yep, with white interior, <laughs> with a
3: twenty-four. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, how did this? How did we get to this? I don't oh. know. I like rabbit that's the beauty holes. of
2: the podcast. I you guess. were talking originally about dealing with commanders, then yeah. did, and, and then it went into this. Yeah. But I
3: think it actually started with a question.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Did we
3: ever yeah. answer it? I don't think we answered it. I don't know how I think you, you, were, I think you asked, were
0: talking about transition. Well, recently, he asked how you God. find God. your but customers. I did ask who you were selling stuff to originally. Yeah,
3: it was to anyone. I mean, anyone who would buy it, but and mainly you, you didn't understand targeted military, marketing then either. But what right? were you no, doing? we still I mean, do Were
0: you knocking on doors? <laughs> were you selling on Craigslist? Was it on no? EBay no, it was, or we like...
3: had a website. We we uh, we actually had a website before we had product. But sell. how are
1: you directing traffic to said website? Um, mainly social media. And so you guys have a pretty like you guys are a prime example. I mean, I just checked numbers. You have sixty six thousand, almost sixty seven thousand followers. Correct. Um. It's actually funny to talk about your social media activity because you do something that interests me and I've never understood it. Deleting everything. You're a petulant cunt on Instagram. (laughs) Like you decide you don't like the way your fucking Instagram looks and like, like what probably a dozen times now.
3: Yeah. I mean, I do it. I, I for sure do it once a year. Literally. Um, he goes. I don't let it go
1: past a year. He just erases every post. It's like a fresh start. We reboot
3: it. Yeah. Yeah. We reboot it. Um, there, I wouldn't I would like to say there's some like strategy to that but more more so it's a character flaw of mine so I <laughs> I can't like everything that I do is immediately it's just garbage so when I design something I hate it when I take a picture it's not good enough I'm constantly in this like struggle of trying to perfect you know my photography for per, per, Alan, Alan
1: Shapiro syndrome yeah I,
3: I can't I can't get it perfect so um, but the you know we like to refresh the branding uh, quite often because you know it really does we'll start you'll start seeing and there's actually a lot of you know like softly being this company that came out came into existence when there really isn't another company like softly but there are starting to be other companies like softly now right they're small they're trying to to to, kind of do that i choose to
1: ignore them well i don't know who they are
3: no exactly (laughs) but they but they're gonna you know they'll steal your image basically they'll steal your marketing because and it's i don't want to always say it's nefarious but they're
1: you know, They lazy. want to start a company because they saw your company. Imitation is the highest form yeah. of flattery. Something that Brian and I have it's found. it change it up sometimes. In general. And I actually think Softly is our other business where we do like this bed and breakfast type thing. Sure. Is more immune to it because the initial start is so much more difficult. Sure. But like at Softly, humble beginnings, man. Selling a, selling a PDF of an exercise program is easy. We see a lot of guys on like Train Heroic. Selling sure. exercise programs that are modeled for a tactical athlete. Yep. And like the barrier for entry for that is almost non existent. Yeah. But getting traction with it is harder, right? So, like, figuring out what the next step is becomes more difficult, resourcing the capital. Sure. So, like, a lot of people, I think, want to emulate that, but then find out that, like, the reality of it, like, the idea of selling all your cool toys, getting rid of your Ford Raptor, and buying $7,000 worth of sewing sure. machines. Is not something that people are willing to do.
2: Well, it's like what we he and I referenced earlier, which is ideas are easy, but execution is hard. And people are their idea is I am a very good fitness programmer, and I'm going to sell fitness programming, and sure. they don't understand what any of the nuts and bolts are that go into that, like selling your truck and developing an app, or like putting together a business. So the, it's hard.
0: The other thing I think that is critical to Softly and our branding we were talking about this just the other day, is that the baddest motherfuckers we know are the dudes that don't look like the baddest motherfuckers you sure, know. Sure, absolutely. And I think that if you look at all of the people that operate in the veteran and like tactical sure. space, nine times out of 10, 999 times out of 1,000, it's fucking platitude memes about how fucking you gotta be a lion, you gotta be a fucking wolf. Absolutely. they are fucking, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> Please, we're fucking harder than <laughs> everyone me. else. Sure. And, um, you know, the fact is, is that the dudes that we know that are actually the fucking hardest guys. Sure. I mean, they look like fucking surfers. They look like fucking sure. hippies. absolutely. Like, and they're not out there fucking preaching that shit. Um, and I think that... For us as a company, you know, like we aren't fucking talking about how fucking hard we are. First of all, we know that we're not the fucking hardest motherfuckers out there. Sure. But second of all, my deadlift
1: speaks for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, No, but I think that like the idea that we have is all about just like bettering yourself and being true to yourself. And, um, you know, most people that want to operate in the tactical space have a really hard time being authentic like that because I agree. because the whole point that they're in the tactical space the whole reason that they're attracted to it is from the image right and so for us the whole product started as not hey we like we want to cater to the tactical athlete it started with Hey, we have a guy that does this job and he wants to sell something. He wants to provide a service. Sure. Specifically to those people. Softly started with a fitness program that wasn't tailored to like tactical guys. It wasn't tailored to soft guys. It was a program specifically written for active operational special operations guys. Sure. Right. So like not even hey, you're you're a special forces dude. It's like, are you specifically a team guy right now? Yeah. And that's that is the seed that like brought True. yeah to us to where we are right now. And I think that um you know even though you could say that maybe we stray from that from time to time, it's not just that we that stray from
1: it. We're providing we provide we've we've we, grown beyond it. But we yeah we provide the, tar- targeted like we're providing generalist workout programs to people who need it. Sure. Which is which is our original mission statement to begin with, anyway. For sure. Yeah, but Which is um, what I think is true. That so, attitude is still central to everything that we, that we I do. I would agree with that. It doesn't matter how good our product is or what our intent is or how true to ourselves we are. If we don't make it attractive to other people, it'll never sell.
2: And but we're is, never going to do that with platitudes and memes. No, 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 no,
1: no. 100%. No, but I think I that, like, I think that one thing that something I've really liked about Spirit of Systems and what I'm. Actually, like what I love about us is that we, regardless of if you're true to yourself or you pursue like your passion or whatever these other, I mean, these are all platitudes, right? Like, I mean, honestly, saying where we came from, kind of a platitude (laughs) in a weird way. I don't think it's a platitude. Well, because we've learned a long time ago, we don't sell workout programs to. I mean, the market for just soft guys is small, and you know, like getting them to adapt. The market of soft guys is small, and getting them to adopt the program. Indefinitely, like, you know, we have, we all have ADD. We've let, guys keep coming back to Soft Leet, but they'll try this stuff just to see, you know, guys. Yeah, but that's not a platitude. Saying. No, no, but saying that, like, that's why we're successful is, it's not true. Uh, it's not why Spiritus is true. Even though they make great products, like the marketing, the like, hey, man, like making people want to be a part of your product, making them. Well,
0: that, you're speaking to authenticity, which is what I was talking about with yeah. platitudes.
3: Yeah, and that's, and, I and mean, but sometimes true product. for yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the big thing I think for companies now um, that are, you know, they're not struggling. There's a lot of companies that very recently, you know, up until very recently, they didn't have, they even have an Instagram or a Facebook or any social media presence Uh, and they, and it was like a badge of honor to them to like, not like, we're not on any of that. And I'm, I I just see it as like a person who, you know, was like, we're never going to put anything in a newspaper when the printing press happened. Right. They were like we we do word of mouth only that's like you guys are cool with your printing press like you know that's but that's like that's not us
2: it's a mixture of get off my lawn and like some sort of velvet rope yeah like i mean you can
3: go too far with it and uh, i think there's definitely like some social implications with social media that it's like damaging us in in ways but um,
1: for us specifically the people who are involved in like manipulating it it's
3: definitely damaging me yeah yeah, it is it is one of those things that it's a tool that you you exploit to to reach your your customer base. And exploit maybe isn't even the right word it is because right, it is the right word. <laughs> well, you but, but those those customers want to be reached. And yep. that's something that I recognize about social media is that when I get on my Instagram, I, like my personal Instagram, I've I've pruned it to to be what I want to see. You know, it's like an ad by, you know, our character or something. Yep. I want to see that. It's not you know, it's not something bad happening to me. It's something that I enjoy. So I want to see it. So I'm actually, I'm trying to change my view on social media a little bit. Um, well, I think you, it's, you know, you, I
1: think it is telling that previously, this is, and this is thoughts by Doug. So prepare to, we, prepare it, to it 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 like disagree a, or, you know, whatever, but go fuck yourself. Um Hit fast think, forward,
2: right? Now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that generationally, the mentoring process in the United States has typically been that. People achieve something. Sure. They hold it very dear and they protect it and they shit on the next generation with their accomplishments. Sure. And make them feel like they haven't done anything in a way that like it curates this like sense of entitlement and superiority. So like an 80s SF guy is always going to shit on a 90s SF guy mm-hmm. who's always going to shit on a 2000s SF guy. Sure. Who if you, you know if you missed OIF4, you didn't fucking see a war, you know, like, yeah. All right, man. Like, I get this. I think that it, that his, Brian and I came into SF through engagement on a message board called Professional Soldiers. Sure. So it was curated by an 80s uh, SF guy, early 90s, um, who, I mean, he led us to believe that he was, like, the baddest motherfucker on the planet. He went by a fucking tough name. All he talked about was how fucking good he was. Sure. And, you know, his experience. And as guys with 15 years in Special Forces now, like, plus, we look back and go, oh, man, 90s. S- SF, huh? Like, okay. Yeah. I get it. But I feel like the way older guys communicated with younger guys was very stilted and demonstrative and, like, authoritarian. Sure. Very Dude, that's
0: always been the case. I think people, but, people get fixated at a certain point in time and they're unwilling to change and adapt to the, the new reality of their situation. This is different than the SF thing, but, like, one of the things that I've seen a lot um, is... Older people complaining about like uh what you know all these young people like charging for you know premium oh, content. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm like, dude, generational. That's, that's the fucking new TV, man. You know, well, you can you can give people shit about doing that and be like, why would they spend this money on this? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as like yelling at youngsters
1: for listening to Buddy Holly rock and roll. Well, I see it as like, I'm. I actually see that that is changing. That social media in general has allowed guys like us like in we're moving into an instructor like more like experiential sure place like hey man this is my wealth of experience this is what i'm doing and like while we're still grumpy because that's a thing because that's how we were raised like we're still like not brian brian's wonderful and lovely but i'm difficult and fucking spiteful sure but i also can write objectively about things on social media or post pictures and soft lead as a company can do things that prepare people for their task or their goal sure. and, and not do it in a fucking dickhead way. Like yep. not, well,
2: a, not tab protecting. I feel like social media has, especially with younger people, people used to view the world as a very zero sum game. Like for every, there's a, there's a finite amount of positions in the, what I'm doing and for every person that comes up, someone has to leave. That person could be me. So I've got to kind of protect sure. the realm from these new interlopers. And social media has shown that like, you know what? You may have had zero followers yesterday and now you have 100,000 followers today. And you didn't take those followers from anyone. They just came. You invented them from whole cloth. You created sure. something new that had value. No, you and share people that. took it. Right. And it's, you can share the wealth. And so people have a very different mindset. I think- Social media has kind of changed the sharing. The, the sharing of information. The sharing has of become, information. Right, like it's no longer like "fuck you." You want to be a special forces guy? Like, well, you have to learn have to, on your own. Yeah, it's <laughs> like well, figure hey, it out. If you really want that, like, cool. Because we need great people like you. Sure. And you being that has nothing to do with yeah. me. When actually we're all. in a
3: career field now that is suffering personnel wise across the board. The sewing. No, like, no, to, uh, no, no. The soft. Oh, kind, okay. yeah, yeah, right. Um, you can't, you know, one of my friends is a RASP instructor. Um, and he's like, We cannot get soft MOSs to pass we just can't get them to to not quit. Yeah. Right. And so they're struggling to get people and which is, you know, different from when I came in the military. It was it was still it was right at the tail end of the it's you know, there's still a lot of pride in being in something like that. You know, but after the repeated deployment I mean, this this war is taking a toll on the military that i think is not fully realized by anyone right psychologically because if you have a guy in the regular army who's who came in in the 2000s early 2000s he's now deployed he's trying he's, he's about to retire right but he's deployed 10 times and that doesn't mean he's deployed a total of three years he's deployed 10 years yeah of his life like that combat exposure is, you know... And just he's being, in the infantry. Just he's being he's gone. Infantry.
1: Who even cares about if it's stressful, like from a combat standpoint? Sure. But like, well, I, I mean, it, psychologically, it matters. I'm assuming... It really matters. ...that eight out of 10 of those years deployed sure. were pretty boring. It
3: just depends on where you were,
1: But right? that doesn't negate the stress of being gone. Yeah,
3: and the fa- I mean, and yeah. And I, you family... Family,
1: finances, whatever. It's like, hey, sure. man, like that's a it fucking... All sp-
3: it piles up. It's a tough eight years. Yeah, and I and I feel bad for when I was young, when I was, <laughs> when I was a private, my first deployment... Uh, I would look at some of the some of my leadership and kind of w- with disgust because they were, you know, I was there like I was young. Um I was fit. I, you know, I was doing my job and I, I would look back at these guys who were going through stuff that maybe I just couldn't understand as a as a young person. Fourth divorce. That's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> like I can't imagine now being on some mountain with no there I mean there was no satellite phones. There was nothing. You know, there was the even the Internet access that there is now overseas. was well, just wasn't there right? My
1: wife cheated on me three times while I was at home and here I am in Afghanistan for a year Yeah, and uh, what's going on or like are you going
3: through a divorce and it's just nasty? Yep And uh, you can't you know, you're just and then you're also dealing with The war
1: right the war effort I think that the Instagram like the point that I was gonna get to there which is, is really encouraging to me in all of this is that we get to talk about this kind of stuff in sure. a public forum now where yeah. other younger, like we don't know the impact we're having on younger guys. And I don't say that to like, sure. toot my own horn. I say it more specifically that like, it encourages me to speak more candidly. It encourages me to sure. be more open and share more, yep. not protect because, you know, like when Jericho went to r- Ranger Rendezvous and he's like, Hey man, I had, you know, Half a dozen dudes come up to me at Ranger Rendezvous and be like I really really appreciate what softly done because sure. when I was in high school I started following the Instagram account. Yep. I started looking at the workouts and it prepped me It gave me something a target to aim at it gave me yep. the tools Absolutely. to succeed and now I'm at Ranger Regiment and Like I'm having a great time. This is this is what I've always dreamed of doing sure I don't think that that existed for us. It was a fucking corn maze when we came in,
3: no, I mean you went, you joined, you like went to talk to the recruiter who was a liar, who you <laughs> yeah. talked
2: to. They, yeah. I, you had a bad experience, a good experience. It's like, I would say the path is much more defined, and the help is much more defined. The downside of social media, and this is me putting on my old man hat, yes, is that it's conditioned our brains to quit things. Sure. So you know, it, it, it used to be, man, if you wanted to entertainment, you put on a movie, or you had like twenty channels that you could watch, and like if you. Wanted to see your show that it was your favorite show, you had to wait for it because it came on an A and you, TiVo, didn't bitch. Well, you didn't have TiVo. We didn't have TiVo. So exactly. maybe you had to like program your VCR and it was like super sure. difficult. Yeah. Or you write a book, you sit there, but all the media the people ingest now, if you don't even like it for a millisecond, you oh, yeah. can swipe away. And that has translated into a military selection process where it's like, sure. this is difficult. It's really hard. Yeah. I'm just going to quit. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go. On. So yeah, because you're right. VW rates, voluntary withdrawal rates have dramatically risen sure. across all the selection yeah. programs
3: I, I mean i think it's a larger societal thing though i think we have um it starts with like the the social hierarchy um which is you know something that a lot of people don't even recognize as a th- as a thing right but they no matter what if you took a bunch of people and you just put them together and and they were just naked and you're like go out in, this, in the woods eventually somebody would start doing something and then there would be value to that jerking off yeah whatever it is building something and then that social hierarchy <laughs> would come about
1: adam said we're going to the woods naked first thing i'm gonna do is yeah jerk well off. there you go no the <laughs> first thing you're gonna do is try take to build around some at the pants. chamber you know what I mean? <laughs> but <laughs> Put it's that uh, on it's you know that social hierarchy
3: is natural because once somebody has something that is a value then you automatically are placed into a, a category right with a top and a bottom sure you ever, do you and, ever see
1: that movie the gods must be crazy i haven't is a 80s movie that was the shit is about like a it's it's filmed in africa and there's like a didn't have john denver in it or something i don't remember i i don't remember i know that the the plot line is hilarious in the sense that there's a bush plane flying over sub-saharan africa and the dude's drinking a coke and that's like the beginning of the movie and he finishes the coke and it's a bottle coke and he just throws it out the plane window as we would do in the 80s and it you know like flies down and sinks in the ground and in the movie cuts to matabili tribesmen who find this bottle and they've never seen anything like it yeah. it's like we live on tubers and sure. you know we yeah. hunt and we Beautiful drink coke bottle yeah we drink the root like no water here at all we suck it out of roots you know sure. like and this coke bottle comes and it's like the hardest substance they've ever seen they yep. use it to, like, tan hides, and there's only one. And it, yeah, don't
2: these super don't happy it people
1: up. who are perfectly content in their lives and have happy families sure. suddenly become, like, they Very fight each other. Rides, yeah. No, they all fight each other for use of the Coke bottle, and then at one point, one of the kids tries to take it from another person that's using it, and then the person who's using it hits the kid in the head, and there's, like, you know, blood, and it's this, the, sure. all this social trauma. The head guy from the tribe decides that he's going to take the Coke bottle and throw it off the ends of the earth because it is such a could like, a, like sure, divisive it's thing disrupted so the movie is about his quest into modern like Cape Town sure. like he doesn't have any idea what's going on it's just like <laughs> tribes guy yeah. with a bottle and he's going to throw it into the ocean he doesn't know where the end of the earth is sure. but he makes this like he's just gonna walk. amazing on foot journey to get rid of a coke bottle and it's guess, just a super good movie but social hierarchy wise like it's amazing what Sure. A Coke bottle does. Well, I mean, it's just that,
3: you know, if you put people into a category um, and there is a social hierarchy, you know, then there is a winner and a loser, essentially, right? There are people who are at the bottom and, and there are people who are at the, t- at the top and the top will eventually be corrupted in some way. We are
1: all winners in Christ. and yeah, Remember that. But,
3: uh, but if you look at it from that context, our society has been working towards eliminating the hierarchy. And you can see it, and, th- and I hate to bring this up because it's become kind of like a, a sounding board for this argument, but the the way we handle sports, like sports with our children nowadays, right? We, we talk got- about trophies, we talk about... I'm just going back to this whole thing with uh, social media and how the selection process, right? Why are people voluntarily quitting? Why do people not want to be in the best organizations in the military? Are um, they do
2: want to be in those organizations. Well they no, no, say so they're not
3: really though. They mm. want it and you're right, it's the it's the veneer, right? They see it on social media. They see the softly post with the guy with dual tubes on and the moon behind him, and they're like, Wow, yeah, I want that. But then when they get faced with the the harsh reality of, hey, here's sixty pounds of shit, walk 30 miles, and their foot is falling off, mm-hmm. then they don't want it anymore, right? But the the thing they lack is you know, coming out of like the intramural sports is a great, a great example of why are, why is there not a winner? Right. Why is there yeah. not a loser? Why is there not? And it, and it's okay to be a loser and it's okay to be a winner. Um, but you, you should be a winner. Right. And it's like, what do you do as somebody who's been defeated to become a winner is I think the piece that's the critical piece that we're missing. Well, I feel like now we're, well, it, as a society, I feel like
1: it's actually not removing the hierarchy or it's or eliminating it. what we're doing is we're eliminating low cost paths to a hierarchy. So like there is the top 1% and there is this big gap sure. and then there's all these other people who are now having their avenues. Like I'm going to be a, a socialist now. I'm like the proletariat no sure. longer has a way to reach the bourgeoisie there. We've built a suitable standoff and the bourgeoisie are standing there with mini guns and turrets and sure. they're like,
2: get the fuck off of our land. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, that's <laughs> yes, I won't for sure. That's <laughs> for sure. That's the perception of the way the world works. Now. I, th- I think that one of the things that social media does is it allows people to accumulate a lot of the trappings of something they want sure. without actually doing it. Yep. So if you, the, well, some of the best advice I ever got was from a guy that was like, if you're planning on doing something really cool, don't ever tell anybody about it. Because all that's going to, because people are going to give you kudos for attempting sure. something. Yeah, cool. absolutely. So, and that kudos is going to be eighty percent of the value of actually doing it. There's not like extra kudos you get when you've done when you're done. Yeah. All of that is internal and it's sure. pride. Yep. But if you give yourself that 80%, you might be disincentivized to go for the extra 20. might quit. Because that extra 20 is going to be enough. hard.
3: It's satiated so you. So if you
2: don't get that 80%, then you're going to work for the whole 100. So sure. it's going to motivate you to make it all the way. And most social media... That's like, like really I, savvy. I, can, yeah. like, it's good I advice. can take a picture of myself in a soft lead shirt and tell my friends that I'm going to be a ranger one day. Sure. And all those likes and all those comments... Get me ninety percent of the way there, yeah, and when right. I'm actually at rasp and some dude's fucking screaming at me, yeah, that extra ten percent isn't worth it to me. Yeah, it's not exactly. worth it. So I'll just quit, and you know what? And then I'll get well. You tried your best, and I'll get the second yeah, round of bullshit. That, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. You know, and it's not. It doesn't matter to me sure. because I'm I'm I live a single serving life now. This project, you know, it's these uh, po- it's post to post, comment sure. to comment. Absolutely,
1: this project that I'm working on this is a prime example of this. That like the I watched my partner and this project i'm working on physically recoil at the reaction of one of the candidates for this thing so it's, it's like a it's a commercial project we're doing photos of people sure. like for an advertising purpose very hush-hush yeah hush. i'm not going to talk about it because i want to fuck it up right like, yeah don't sure, talk about yeah, it, don't, do mess it up. Cool. don't mess it up <laughs> so it's funny though because like we're we're auditioning people for this and one of the stipulations early on is if you're going to be in this you have to be willing to cut your hair and shave your beard to look military military you have to shave your you know everyone knows what the deal is and there's this guy who is eh, he's not as in good shape as everybody else but he's you know he's not in bad shape and he has a glorious beard and he has luxurious hair and he mentions like three times over the course of the thing that he he uh, got hurt in buds and that was his his military experiences that he was hurting buds. Sure, it's the Dan Bilzerian fucking you know syndrome. Yeah, syndrome. There you go. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. You got hurt in buds. He did his navy time. Dude's a fine guy, right? Whatever. I'm not judging. You're judging a little. A bit, little a bit. I'm judging a, a, little little a little tiny, bit. not excessively. Yeah. But what's funny is he got cast, and we called him back to be like, "Hey, man, you got the job or whatever." So just double checking. These are the things we're gonna need you to. And he literally said. Hey, man, that's cool. I really appreciate it. I mean, this is a really good opportunity, too. It's like good money. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to shave. I'll just be like a special forces guy with a beard and in a helmet. And I was like, I would not have not cast him over that but I definitely raised an eyebrow but everyone else was like fuck that guy he doesn't (laughs) have a job anymore (laughs) and I was like yeah fair enough man like dude like the level of entitlement to be like yeah I got hurt in buds so I am justified not doing what anybody else is doing guess what you didn't get hurt in buds you likely voluntarily withdraw you rang the bell or involuntarily were withdrawn as you're just a fucking
3: normally when there's an injury there's there's a process to retain people because again the the pool is small and if somebody has the will to do it but they break their ankle,
1: you know. Well guys, guys get minor injuries that yeah. they push through. Like I'm sure. always shocked by the dudes that have like massive stress fractures in sure. their feet
2: or they broke yeah. their leg and they're like, No, oh, no man, dude. I
1: finished. Well yeah, that guy, guy wanted a it. A friend of mine he really wanted
2: it. Yeah, a friend of mine I know that's at the unit now, like we went to selection together. He did the long walk at the end of SF selection with two broken feet. Yeah, like, because and, he wanted it. Yeah, he wanted it, but he didn't <laughs> he, know. And he didn't know they were broken. No, he didn't know they were broken. He was just like, yeah. dude, Stress he came, came up are to me before, common. and he's like, my feet hurt worse than they've ever felt before. And I'm like, man, that sucks. Do you have, like, really bad blisters? He's like, yeah, I do have really bad blisters, <laughs> yeah, but really, these are, like, worse. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe they're just really sore. He's like, that's probably it. He did the 30-miler, yeah. and then, or however long it was. Mystery miler. The mystery miler. (laughs) And then he went to the med shed because he literally, once he stopped walking and the blood flow stopped to his feet, he couldn't stand back up again. Yep. So we were having to carry him around and he went to the med shed and they went, took him an x-ray at the orthopedics clinic. They're They're like, like, dude, both your feet are like fucked selected um, yeah of course Select so you just it. like right there yeah like, but it's you're, funny you're in. dude so- no we carried him off the field <laughs> <Yeah>. like rudy <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs>
1: but the funny part about that is that there's uh probably a hundred dudes in your selection class who got a blister and they started talking negatively themselves about how they couldn't like man this blister is going to ruin the rest of the, my experience i sure. can't push through it right i mm. just I mean you know what i'll 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 quit and I'll go home and I'll train right next time and I'll get yeah, it again. I'll fix my blister. And you're like, nah, bro. You know Just what? Just gonna... do it once. Just do it one yep. time. You're going to get yeah. a blister next time too. No matter how hard you train, you're yeah. not adequately prepared to avoid all physical discomfort.
2: Yeah. Well, there's there's a certain kind of person that has it in them to inject tincture of benzoin oh. into their blisters <laughs> to is, keep going. And that's me. And I is, don't love it. <laughs> which is <laughs> was not fun. The most painful thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. But you know what? It hurts for about. Fifteen seconds, then yep. it's good, and then it's solid, and then you move mm-hmm. and you start out. walking again. Is, yep. that the,
1: is that the same kind of person that would run on a hot asphalt
2: just to prove a point? Let's not confuse bravery <laughs> and stupidity.
3: Yeah, there's there's two different there's two different sections there. I think a fine line, and but a nuanced one,
1: indeed. <clears <clears throat> wow, throat> this this yeah, this went. So let's circle back to spiritus. Yeah, let's do that. I don't know where <laughs> yeah. we ended up. There. This is the yeah. best part about podcasts. Is it's like a stream of consciousness of so like let's talk about. What I was trying to get at is that, oh. Adam has crushed the social media game at Spiritus, and like through quirky and odd and like think like behaviors that I don't know if they're like good marketing strategies or not,
2: yeah, you've created follow him at at HQ. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. h yeah,
1: q wow, yeah, you've definitely um created a very devoted customer base,
3: you just I don't know, the fanny bag well, that we I did appreciate with you. that. you guys
0: but... I think um. You know, what brought what actually brought this to my mind is sure. the fact that you walked in here with a peak design duffel bag. Sure. And I was yeah, like, you know what? This fucking dude appreciates <laughs> good design. I do. I, and do. I think peak design makes some good stuff. There are places out there that have cool details on their stuff. Sure. There are places out there that make bulletproof products. And there's very few places that make bulletproof products that are also like really well thought out as far sure. as the fine details. And to be able to recognize that and then also I think what you guys are doing at Spiritus like replicates that as well. Sure. Uh is is what makes you guys stand out in my opinion. So you guys recently expanded into like a much bigger production facility, right?
3: Yeah, so we're I mean we we uh we basically we're in a building that was shared space um but we uh we basically were taking over more of that space. Right. Uh, we were looking at like outfitting a new building this really big building uh, i mean we're kind of unsure if that's going to happen or not um you know how it is the price is right or it's not it sure. just doesn't fit within one of the things that we've always you know kind of like spirit systems has always been very disciplined in our business approach financially right um we think i mean just through our i wouldn't say through my research because i don't do any of the business research but you know basically what zane has come up with is that there's a ton of there's a ton of research out there that shows that businesses are getting unnecessarily wrapped up in real estate, right? Uh, so they, they invest in a large facility with all the trimmings and big parking lots and cool stuff. And then, and then a couple am, years later... I, I
1: am literally sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> Why <laughs> would you talk about me like that? Oh, yeah, Adam? is that you?
3: <laughs> well, but, so did you tell... I mean, did you tell these guys that I was at the wrong place? Uh, no. Yeah, no. I was sitting up at the top of the hill at, like, some storage facility, like... It's the same area. It's and just, I, like, It's just poorly I s- defined. I saw, like, a bike, so I was like, man, I know. I mean, I know they're into bike stuff. But then Maybe I was like, it's not. a
1: poor person's bike, Adam. I yeah, would I never be can't. caught riding that bike. <laughs> oh, <Or laughs> it was like a Diamondback. Is it was the... Yeah, there's a
0: dude uh, at the other building yeah. that, that makes... I hope he's not and,
3: listening to this, because he just insulted his He's definitely not listening to this.
0: Yeah. He... It's like a hobby shop for him. Yeah, I don't and know. He, I was... he makes handmade wooden boats. He, okay. He oh, that's actually kind of
1: cool. There, there's a specific model of sailboat. I went in and talked to him for a while. It's very interesting. Uh, he has them, they're antiques. They were only made during a certain period and they're like super desirable and he rescues them from all over the U.S. and then renovates them and there's a, a group, They it's a racing circuit that still goes on. It's like a specific kind of sailboat. And they're all like teak or whatever. And so you have to come in and like cut pieces out and like replace it with real wood. So like he and all his... When are you guys going to get a,
3: a softly branded version of that?
1: Oh, right, dude. I feel yeah. like... See, exciting, it's already happening. Now. As exciting <laughs> as <laughs>
3: this guy paints it. Dug
2: in an ascot at the regatta. Yeah, yeah like, You can you can tell <laughs> me this is exciting. I don't feel like it is. I, for one, choose the internal combustion engine. <laughs> right. I, don't,
3: I think I'm... Are you guys hiring right now?
2: Um, right now, we are not hiring. Not because
3: I, I might just come. I'm just going to come. Say here. what you. We would
1: hire you, man. Okay. Yeah. Say, yeah. And Appreciate job. it, guys. When you ask if we're hiring, this is. Yeah, I get no, no, it. No, no, that it literally Aaron just displayed the way we hire, which yeah. is we oh, are never you, have, you have never value? adding a person, but we're, we're never really hiring. Although you're more than welcome to come here as a salaried employee.
3: <laughs> no, I mean you uh your facility is really cool.
1: Uh well, yeah,
3: actually yeah, it's very, we very hire cool. the
2: way Doug shops, which is I didn't know I need this, but now that I've seen it, no, I seen cannot it. live without it. $10,000 bike. <laughs> it's uh it is true. Yeah, I oh. can see that. Going back
0: to the product stuff, though, sure. Walk me through the design, testing, and release process for you guys.
3: Okay, yeah, I mean it's uh it's different depending on what the product is, of course, but we uh we always try to start with a problem statement, um, and that can come from something we know or something a customer has brought to us, uh, or you know just like market research and, and observation. Um, so it starts with this problem problem statement, and then we, you know, well, I shouldn't say we. I basically sit down and uh I just formulate you know, ideas and I just try to categorize those into drawings real rough, like sketching. Right. Um, how can I solve solve this issue, um, in an efficient manner? And then we, you know, we'll start really, I'll, I'll spend a lot of nights and weekends just, um, cutting fabric, sewing things. Uh, and then, you know, once I have something into like I formulated a plan, I think it's, I think it can work. Um, I'll bring in, um, Marion, who is our um, design lead and Zane, honestly, um, and they will, you know, basically we'll start to like actually nail down the details, right? So I'm not very good at, and I'll fully admit it, I'm not very good at the details of the product. And by, what I mean by that is... Conceptually, you can... measure, Like like making sure the radius is perfect on a pouch so that, you know, it falls 100% in the right spot. Uh, that's, that's a Zane thing, right? He's very calculated, um, but formulating the idea. So we have this whole process where like, Formulate the idea, get the rough prototypes going. Zane and Marion, uh, Marion, who's like a professional designer, she comes in and she's like, Dude, you I guys are idiots. Obviously, you pay her. No. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, she's like a... Well, no, no. I mean, but <laughs> no, before no. us, I mean, she designs, like, she's Dude, educated.
1: Marion cracked me up because, like, I show up, like, I love, I love watching you guys grow. Like, I mean, sure. the fact that you guys, like, it literally was... Like I caught you at the end of pet project, the beginning of professionalism. Sure, you know, like yep. you guys were a exactly. legitimate company. Yeah. But I came into their new, like, constantly expanding facility, and there's a girl at what appears to be a secretary's desk. Sure. And she opens the door for me because they have like a super. It's always locked. You're like, oh, yeah. you knock on the door. Got to wait. Yeah. So she's opening the door for me, and I'm like, oh, cool. Like I have an appointment with with Adam, and she like just goes right along with it or whatever. Yep. And then like after our meeting and we're hanging out, and he was like, hey, by the way, I want you to meet. Mary she's our design lead thing yeah i'm like
2: and
3: you're like oh oh i thought you were yeah. right. she's
1: like i'm not a secretary and i'm yep. like oh. she actually has a sign yeah that by says, her desk. So a
3: says, i <laughs> says welcome but i'm not the secretary but it's a, it's a space constraint thing right we we are out of space in our facilities so um you but know, she, office space she so. came from
1: what is arguably one of the more successful startup uh manufacturing companies Absolutely. like yep. uh when i was down i, I think our riveter started at binning right um, like, you know, I and, don't
3: know the history of them. I I definitely, they uh, make
1: cool purses. Yeah, absolutely. My wife, yeah. I don't know where they started, but all they're definitely friends. in the Bragg
3: area and yeah, they have, they like, have a shop in Southern Pines and, yeah, and they have
1: a production facility Sure. and she did design for this like very successful yep. women's purse company, like high-end women's purses. Absolutely. And like As seen on Shark Tank. Yeah, As they were on, on Shark Tank. Tank. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I laughed my ass off because I was, she was like, oh, I used to work at uh, R Riveter and you're like, Whoa! Yeah, that's not
3: uh, you know. That's crazy. Very
1: humble. Why would you come to
2: this like totally different working environment? Sure. Well, my favorite, my favorite companies that in their trajectory are ones that are they're no longer like bootstrapping. I mean, they're bootstrapping, right? Every company is to a certain point. Yep. But they're doing like really good revenue. They haven't hit that like we're a big company threshold sure. yet, but they say things like, no, you don't understand. We hired this designer. And she's like a legit professional. Yeah, she's like a real designer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know mean, it was well, very yeah. exciting yeah, for yeah, us. You pay her a salary to do design. <laughs> but, when, more. but you remember when we wanted to design <laughs>
1: products and we were talking about doing like, uh, we were like, Hey, uh, can we find somebody who does tech packs? And like, I know that tech pack is a word I should use. I know that there Jerk, are drawings. Yeah. It's like a blueprint yep. for something we want tech to tech packs are real. Yeah, and I get on the internet. And I'm like, well, that looks cool. How the fuck did they make it expensive? Get guess what? Very expensive. She does tech packs. So oh, yeah. I was all like, by the way, was, would you like to come work for Softlead? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, don't, don't,
3: don't snipe our people. We're finally at a place though where we have, uh, you know, we're getting, we're, we're just, we have a lot more professionals, as I would say, right? A lot more people who have come to us from other you know from the industry but from other places uh and they and it's just kind of transforming the efficiency and the quality of everything right? you say
1: don't snipe your customers but your yeah. entire so shop is full of the world's best seamstresses <laughs> yeah. that you snipe yeah. from other businesses yeah we,
2: we, we as of as of just recently we hired our first real professional he worked for us before but now he's a full-time w2 employee oh. everybody else is an imposter that's oh, true really? Damn. yeah, yeah.
1: That's messed up. We're finally legit. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you <laughs> got to be legit at some point, right? I <laughs> but, was, I, I was a professional shithead before I was hired by Soft Lead, so I like to yeah, think that I was the first professional. There you go. That was hired. Well, we uh, just—I'm going to
3: shamelessly plug though. We are hiring. Ah. So, if there are any people listening to the podcast, what and are you hiring so, for? Uh, we're hiring for a couple positions. We're hiring for a brand manager. Um, we're hiring for uh sewers, always sewers. Um being on the production spot. people, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, what is the challenge like to be manufacturing things in the United States and finding good seamstresses? Are you training people? Or are you finding people with experience? Both. Both. So we uh, we uh, it's first off it's extremely difficult
3: because everyone uh we killed this industry you know, right our our desire for fashion items every other day right having out new outfits every season killed american industry as far as sewing goes because we we just can't pay slave wage right um and so we we've moved it all offshore but the you know the berry amendment is the basically the singular thing that protects u.s sewing interest right so and it, for anybody who doesn't know what berry amendment is it just it means that the the government has to acquire uh products for the military That have been made in the USA and it's actually people confuse it because they think it's a way to protect business, but really it's a war effort protection, right? Because if you don't have the manufacturing capability and you go to war with the country that you're outsourcing all of your sewing to. All of a sudden you don't have uniforms anymore but
2: what if i make my boots 90 percent and then i sew a bates logo on them in the u.s does that's that... that does not qualify as is compliant yeah so mm. then you a... ha-
1: then you have to market your made in vietnam product as something that is done in vietnam specifically to in deference to mac vsog veterans and uh-huh. then you pay a mac vsog veteran enough to sell your product is that real I, or is this I, like I, a, I,
3: is this like a half-baked I, plan you have? No,
1: this is bug being I, petulant
0: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no so it, it's, it, it's, it very blow it's very it's very difficult it's very difficult sewers are are not widely available and the demographic is um they're they're pretty they're they're aging right um and they're they're at the age of retirement so they're kind of taking these skills with them we have some really interesting people i mean they've They've sewn, uh, we have one guy, he's, he uh, sewed at West Point. So he made all the, all the cadet uniforms, right? Like he tailored all those uniforms. Um, you know, he's in his 70s, right? And he's still sewing. Uh, we have a lady who worked in like a Wrangler jeans factory before it went offshore. So a lot of the, you know, a lot of that sewing base is, is about to retire. So we're, we're having to come up with like some creative solutions on how to how to train people are you developing like an apprentice program yep absolutely so right now we take on people who you know some of our sewers were not professionally trained outside of spiritist systems uh the long-term goal if i had to say like right now it's you know bring people in and sew that or teach them how to sew processes and build their skill set so that they become we have different levels of you know um of sewers so all the way from like an apprentice to a master um sewer and then we we basically train them in-house but our long-term goal is to offer uh, kind of a, a union with the college, um, you know, the Sand Hills College. And basically, we will offer courses that have a certification process. Uh, and then at the end of that course, you get a certification that actually means something, right? So you come in, a young, because the thing is, a manufacturing job. How far along in the process are you with that? Um, we're, we're creating the curriculum right now. And so we've, I mean, we've already spoken with the college. I mean, it's not official, so I don't want to like blast animals no, no, right I, now. But I it's,
1: literally, I, since my wife worked there for almost sure. a decade, uh, one of the deans is a good friend. I feel like I should make an yeah, introduction for Absolutely, you. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. I mean, that that's something we, we're really interested in because it's, we're trying to show people that manif- You've been inside the facility. Yeah, it's awesome. It's not a bad place to work. It's clean. It's air conditioned. It has everything you need. You know, it's. Uh,
1: you built a gym for the employees. There's a gym. Hawaiian that's shirt not as Friday. nice as
3: your gym. There is Hawaiian Shirt Friday. It's real. That's actually real. Did you know about that? <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's a it's a good place to work. And manufacturing is not something. You know, we spent in my generation. Our parents were all. Uh, you know, if they were blue collar workers, they basically spent their, in my entire childhood, my dad was like, go to college, go to college, go to college, you know, because he saw his peers go to college and the peers in the seventies and eighties who went to college, the pay gap was so exponential, um, that our parents saw that and said, like, if you don't go to college, you're, you're just not doing the right thing. Um, but that's, that's not necessarily true anymore with the the fact that college is so available. Oh yeah. The debt ratio, the fact that, you know, does college matter? Absolutely. Uh, if you're getting, especially if you're getting a technical-based degree, something that requires education, you're in Step. the medical field. Yeah, science and technology, things that like, if you don't have the degree, the space shuttle explodes. You know what I mean? But if you're like, hey, I'm just gonna go and I'm, I don't know, I'm just gonna be a history guy or something. It's like it's, it may not be worth it. You should maybe consider a professional skill set. Um, and we we're trying to offer that. We're just trying to offer a better place. But we definitely pay better than any other sewing manufacturing job um in the u.s so we uh we that's something bold
1: claims with adam yeah well it's a
3: truthful claim so we uh you know the the sewers that have experience get paid more than sewers at any other facility and that's why we're attracting those those employees right um It just has to happen, right? We have to, we have to pay them. Aaron's Aaron's very sad
1: about this because he's like been so excited about us potentially doing something with you. And he's like, there's no way we'll meet our margins now. Could you pay them less? Well, automation, (laughs) well, automation,
3: automation is our, is the key, right? Uh, And so again, Zane's, Zane is working very hard at, you know, the automated processes, right? And that's where we're getting killed on the foreign market as well. Um, You know we're we're protected again because we're here in the states, but the automation is amazing, right? Like everything else in the world is made on machines, but sewing is still largely done by flatbed sewing machines and the skills, Until SoBot
2: Five Thousand is created, yeah, oh yeah,
3: SoBot Five it exists. I mean, you saw some of the machines now that we have these really big, like behemoth automated tackers, where they're still, you know, that sewer's not losing their job. They're actually just it's the job is becoming better, right? Yeah, productivity, accuracy, the you know, just like how you're positioned you know sitting at a machine all day versus uh you know standing or being able to move around and stuff like that so but uh, that's how we're kind of like you know our long-term goal and strategy is you know we're not going to be um a small company forever right we're constantly adding sewers on you know we added 10 sewers in the last what two and a half months so we're constantly adding people because of the production capacity is is the need for it is there yeah you know every time
1: every time i show up at your place yeah. i'm like holy fuck like the, there's way more people here yeah you there's know? a like, lot of stuff right it's like the
2: blob just oh it just new, it
1: keeps growing the, the he occupies a new bay of their building almost every sure. time i show up i'm and like the, how the fuck are you guys and expanding? the next time
3: you show up we'll be in another one because we just uh we basically just finalized the agreement on that um so expansion is necessary
1: for it the thing that I like the most about this, and I, I've talked with my, like, my dad grew up in, like, super upper crust East Coast society, sure. and he's always lamented the fact that, and I, I mean, I've seen it too, is that, like, a lot of people who have money, a lot of people, like, with, with uh, like, a privileged upbringing. Sure. They have a lot of money and they do a lot of things experientially, but they don't have a passion for anything. Sure. And I love when, like, like with you and all my friends, everybody that I have a, is a close friend has a passion about something. And I love small business startups. Where, like, your passion was tactical gear and solving problems. Sure. When you started this, and your passion for doing good things has grown that into now your passion is like sewing sure. and how to Absolutely. expand small business like yep. what what's a financially responsible way for us to sure. expand and develop i mean you know you guys have you talked about how you're handling the volume do you want to talk about that is that um i mean we're
3: just just basically through expansion uh so i mean we we kind of keep things close to you know you, just because it is uh it's a sensitive subject and yep. like our competitors are constantly trying to figure out like how many sewers do yeah, they have yeah. in their facility? Yeah. Because that, that enables them to understand. An army.
1: There's an army of yeah. sewers well, there.
3: Well, we want them to, We, I mean, to any competitors listening, there's a lot. Yeah. Right? So we want them to, we don't ever want to expose the number because we, we know now that their probing is intentional so that they can understand what things we can go after and what things we can't. Yep. Right? And then uh, if we allow that information to get out, then they can restrict us. But basically because they're just bigger, right? So they like, can go, hey, they're in this contract realm. Let's just own that realm and just exclude them from that. We'll choke them out. So they can't exist, yeah. right? So we've been very good at uh, concealing our numbers and our facility and well, that's why everything people. has uh, see, he,
1: so Always a- in Adam's file lines. Adam has only expanded into another bay because it's a secret parking facility for all of his his army of cars. yeah you must all carpool here and you have to park your car <laughs> yeah. in the in the next bay yeah you have to hide them
0: the same people jesus meme is
1: maybe my favorite meme of all time
0: how so. much familiar with it I'll show you after the show
1: <laughs> so in true but. form we can talk forever um Adam dude, I'm super stoked you came up here. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me out. I'm looking forward to us announcing our more than fanny pack official relationship. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're going to drop that right well, now. Well, huh? well yeah, it's, it's it's not it's podcast official, which no one listens to. I mean, 7,000 wow, people right now are saying, "Oh shit." Well, I they're get in the ahead no. of this. Wow. Yeah. don't know. So, but, yeah, there's
0: going to be what, maybe 30 die living uh baton fanny sacks I, made?
3: I, you know I'm not actually certain of the number because I, I on this on this next run it's the end of the fabric that we yep. have right? Uh, so we're just we're we're cutting the items you guys need and then we're which we're not going to tell anybody I, what those are I think are we can yet. tell. No. Oh, you want to tell them? Yeah, yeah so we're going to make some so the carriers. Uh, I
1: secretly posted a picture of the one that yeah, I do Yeah die living baton no, plate carriers okay. uh, and then the will rest will be fanny sacks. Probably not be for sale but That's maybe maybe winnable. Sure. I like that so. people are still butthurt that they don't have the base pads. They're, it's like yeah, I need some bases. They never were sold. they'll never be sold. And like guys, because of it, like, uh, that stuff is got to have some vaporware man.: unicorn.: Yeah, just so. keep it in my stock.
2: gun safe so I can so I can sell.: can I just
1: caress it watching it get appreciate.: eBay. I actually so, would like, like to get more. But.
2: If someone wants to get a job at your facility, yeah. What, what do they do? Do they just bang on your door until the secretary website. answers? Nope. <laughs>
1: go to the website. Um, that's all right. You're going to get a ton of random <laughs> yeah. Instagram good. messages from I'm people good. who are totally unqualified. Sure. I've been a firefighter for five years. I should work at Softly. And what's your Instagram handle?
3: At uh, Spirit of Systems. Right? Wow. That's easy. Super yeah. easy, right? So.
0: Thanks for coming by, man. Yeah. We awesome appreciate chat. You Dude. Awesome. Thanks, man.